It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday with my noted guest, Bridget Gleason. <laughs> We're trying out new, ad- new adjectives new every week adjectives. for you. I like it. I like noted guest. Okay. And it works for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it works until on I so many levels. Until I get tired of it. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. So, as people hopefully are familiar with by now, Bridget has joined me every Friday as we talk about issues that really impact people on the front lines of sales. And today, I thought we'd talk about habits. And, I love it. And you and I have both read the book by Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit. And mm-hmm. it actually has a new book out that's uh, on my reading list as well. So, salespeople, if nothing else, are creatures of habits. You hope so. <laughs> a good salespeople. Maybe you say good salespeople. Well, is, is, is it, can we just blanket say that it's good? Or, I mean, habits to me to, for sales reps could also be bad. Uh, well, that's true. That's true. So I think that's an important distinction is we can develop good habits and bad habits. But I wouldn't say that salespeople, just in my experience, not everybody is habit oriented. So even, even it's not just that it's not that they have good habits or bad habits. Some of them just don't operate where they've got a lot of routine and things that they do habitually. <laughs> Which is a habit in itself, right? <laughs> so, well, so, that's probably how, I don't know. I don't know. They're a little bit more random, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you think accounts for that? Because it seems like people take comfort in routine. Andy, you and I are obviously very similar. Mm. You take comfort. I'm, I'm guessing you take comfort from routine. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Certain there's certain routines, sure, sure. Okay, I am like a little white rat. I like I thrive <laughs> on routine. I'm going to go the same way and the same. So for me, routine and habits are really important to me. My experience is that everybody is not even on the, on the sales floor. Maybe there's some, but they're a lot. I would say a, a good part of the people who I've worked with are a lot less habit oriented than I am. And so a lot of what I have done and do as a manager is help help sales reps to identify and then reinforce the habits that are important for them to develop. And, and it takes time for them to develop. So what are the disciplines and what are the things that they, they need to become habit? And there's, there's a lot of work that's been done on this topic that part of the reason that a habit is important is that habit, when something becomes a habit, it frees you cognitively to spend your energy, to spend that energy on something else. Yeah, so, actually, they say from a scientific standpoint, it's it's important. Your brain needs that that rest. You know, if you were constantly improvising every second of the day, you'd be exhausted. 
Right. And so what are the things in sales then that are important to develop as habits so that you can spend the energy on things that maybe are not as easy to, to um, systematize or to make, to make habits? So, in, so let's say being in a conversation and really listening to what a prospect is telling you and trying to pull out the things that the relevant pieces in the conversation and keep the conversation on track and moving forward. And there are lots of things in a conversation that require perhaps more agility and sort of mental acuity. Mm -hmm. And I would hate it if I'd spent all my energy just trying to remember that I needed to make 20 calls that day or whatever it is, you know? So I think that's, that's why habit can be, it's really, really important. And as you say, not all habits are good ones. Yeah. I mean, in the case that you said, with a conversation with a prospect, if your habit is always that I, I ask these three questions, irrespective of what the customer answers, then that's a bad habit. Right. Or I had a, there was a rep that worked for me whose habit was getting into the office late every day. That's not a really great habit. <laughs> well, that's yeah. so funny because, you know, in, in Duhigg and his book talks about, you know, sort of the cycle of, of you know, you have a cue, you have uh, and a reward at the end, right? Uh, cue, response, and reward. So, <laughs> what was the reward the person was getting for being late, I wonder? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think back to this individual. What was the reward that... Well, I mean, it's a hypothetical question, right? Because obviously you can't answer. But I mean, it's, you sort of think about it as, you know, they say as they map out habits is that, you know, one of the reasons things become habit because at the end of the the cycle, there's a reward of some sort. Well, it could be. So in that particular case, maybe it's sleeping in. True. Maybe it's I got to work out. Maybe it's I don't know. But it's a good question is trying to identify what is the reward. That person was obviously getting some reward. For coming in psychically, yeah, psychically, even though it wasn't intentional, but was getting some sort of a reward. I think when it the uh, consequences started to outweigh <laughs> the rewards. Maybe his reward uh, was he liked going to the unemployment office. Well, that could that could be that could be. Um, luckily, it didn't get there. I think with this individual, um, you know, it came up with me. It doesn't have to come up with me very many times, a couple of times. And that particular habit, for me, is career limiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think having too many bad habits are career limiting. And so one of the things I had encouraged him to do was set it. And, and when we would have conversations, his... Uh, Sort of, def- it wasn't really a defense, but how he described it was that he didn't have a habit around getting into the office. He didn't. He just got in when he got in, which was always late. He didn't have a habit of ever getting in early. <laughs> I don't come at the same time every day. I'm exactly. always late. It's I'm just always different late. times. Precisely. I like to be a free spirit, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, what I encouraged him was it, to develop a habit. And I think, I mean, he wouldn't get in honestly before, you know, 9 30 or 10. And he told me, okay, I'm going to start getting in by 8 a.m. And I remember telling him, okay, I said, I'm happy with that. You know, I'm already here. But you need to set goals and create 
habits that you can stick to. And that's really important. I worry that if you set a goal of 8 a.m. when you've been getting in closer to 10, you'll do it a couple times and see this is just unachievable. So pick something that you can achieve. And that so that you, you, and again, this is the reward, is there's a reward in I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, and just being that kind of person that we, we get something psychically from that. So I mm-hmm. said, I would encourage you to pick a time that you think is reasonable for you, reasonable for me. Um, and, and that you can, that you can stick to and really commit to. And again, creating that habit. And I'll tell you, he, he started maybe where he got in, he was an hour earlier for a month. And then he moved it another half hour earlier. And finally, he did get it to about eight. But I think what he got psychically from that, which is why I like that, that book and even thinking about this, is the reward uh, for him of, number one, okay, his, his VP isn't on him. Okay, tell him it's Chris. So there was, there was something about me also noticing, good, you're here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number two... It feels good when we commit to something and do it. And number three, I think you saw, God, you kind of get a lot done in these hours. And then that became a, ha- a habit that did stick with him. But it took some time. Yeah, so what, they, what Duhigg talks about in his book is that for habits really to become locked in concrete, there has to be this, uh, this craving for the reward, I think is the term he uses, that uh, the anticipation of getting the reward of, of that you'd get through your new habit or your changed habit, let's say, uh, really becomes what drives drives it for you. And I, I thought of the case that that uh, you know, I've talked about my first book with the client I worked with, where we mm-hmm. worked with them to get their response time to new sales leads down, you know, from three days to we started one business day and they kept whittling it down to finally got to thirty minutes, but. Is really once we got down to one day, the salespeople were the ones that were driving. Hey, can't we change our keep changing our process to make it faster? Because they saw that the customers, the response they got from the customers when they were responding so quickly, and they got more qualified opportunities in their pipeline. They started closing higher fraction of their deals, and they saying, "Well, gosh, if this is happening with this change, let's yeah." They started craving more of the reward. Can we do it more quickly? What? Yeah, that's it. That's I remember that also from your book. What are some other habits, Andy, that you look for or that you have seen just really effective salespeople develop or that they have? Well, I mean, this is not going to be a surprise to you. Is is responsiveness? That mm-hmm. is one thing that to me is is to use the term that again that Duhigg used was a keystone habit. Is that if you do that? It affects absolutely everything you do, meaning if you increase your responsiveness to customers, whether it's to a new inbound lead or to a response or an inquiry from an existing client or a question from a new prospect you're working on, is and responsiveness in my case is, you know, I define as being able to deliver something of value quickly, it makes a huge difference. Then once you get into the habit of doing that, you do it for every opportunity you have to interact with somebody, that becomes a priority for you. And when you operate that way in general, it, it starts becoming really apparent to the 
the prospects you're dealing with as well as the people, your peers that you work with. And it's extremely powerful. The ripple effects are incredible. So to me, that's one, right? If a salesperson could master that, it just affects in a positive way everything that they do. I t- completely agree with that. I think that's definitely a keystone. I would, I, that, I would consider that a keystone habit as well. Yeah, and I think that there's, and I, I like this concept of the keystone because I really think there are just one or two things that if you really focus on making them great positive habits, that they do have an impact on everything else that you do in your professional life. Yeah, I, I agree. There's another one that I would say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some other keystone habits. One for me, and I don't, I don't know how, you probably have to break it down in order to make it a really actionable habit, but this idea also of being prepared, that there's no winging it. Mm-hmm. So the way that would show up for me as a habit is whatever planning and prep that I would build into my day uh, before a call or before a meeting or before a presentation mm-hmm. that I didn't wing things. And so, again, the habit, the way that it showed up, this habit, was scheduling time in my day when I would go and do the research or whatever to make sure that before every meeting I was prepared. And I think being prepared is so important. It, it just shows that you value the you value the other person's time, and and I think that's a really it, it just I, I think that's a really really important quality in sales is to value the other person's time and who you're meeting with and and to to make sure you've done your homework. Yeah, well, I mean, you could take things like <laughs> this might be a stretch of an example, but uh, you know, I was going to say like a. Adventure, yeah, athlete, uh, you know, I don't say thrill seekers, but like the guy that that jumped out of the airplane at twenty five thousand feet without the parachute this past weekend and, uh, and, oh, land, and landed crazy. in a net. Okay, absolutely <laughs> I mean, crazy. Like with a wife and child. With a wife and child, right? And okay. crazy, but okay. Yeah. Well, right, but he talked about the two years of preparation that went into the stunt. So. Yeah, you know, there, there are the rewards, yeah, you know, <laughs> probably multiple rewards other than just still being alive. Yeah, that but, would be a big one. Yeah, that's one big one. That none of the rest really matter without that one. But um but yeah, you know, it was an amazing amount of preparation. So I think that that um I think the preparation's a great one because you think about how much more productive you become in meetings internally or with customers if you are prepared. And the reward becomes this great feeling that, gosh, I nailed this, right? I got this. They had the questions. I had the answers. Or I gave them great questions that they hadn't really thought about that caused them to think. What I like to call killer questions. I had great killer questions that, you know, changed their perspective on what we're trying to do here. You walk out of the meeting at a high. And that then becomes something that you want to have every time you meet with a prospect or every time you have a you know, important internal meeting. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great that's a great point. There's a lot of reinforcement around that as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's what the thing with the reward really becomes important as you think about your habits is what are the rewards that come from changing habits? In the book, Duhigg talks about you can't really as much create new habits as much as change old habits. And gave the great story of football coach Tony Dungy taking over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they were absolutely miserable back years and years ago. 
in how he wasn't talking about creating new habits as much as changing old habits. And that was the focus of what he was doing. And so, it's taking what they were already doing and changing mm. in such a way that, to the point you talked about before, is they didn't have to think about what they were doing, right? Because they became habituated in the actions they were taking based on these cues. And the rewards were, you know, personal and team success. Now, it took a while to sort of happen, but by focusing on changing the old habits... And it gave his example about, you know, football players, when they line up and play defense, you know, they react to certain cues from the offensive linemen or the quarterback or the running backs or the receivers and changing the cues that they were looking at and how they reacted to it. So it wasn't like a complete new habit. It was fine-tuning what they did. And again, the reward then became quite obvious when they started experiencing success. Yeah, that's that's. I was, I'm thinking also of different habits, like the the example that I gave, which was this individual had a habit of getting in late. How do we change that habit? It's not a new habit, but how do we change that habit of when he, he gets in from getting in late to getting in early? Yeah, well, in the case of the one client I talked about, is if someone came in late. And this client was generating lots of highly qualified inbound leads. Those that came in late, they didn't get the leads. I mean, yeah, life, life, didn't, life didn't start because the process was king at that point, right? Everybody wanted, they had their habit, they're going to get to customers within 30 minutes. You weren't there to respond to it. You lost out. Yeah, that's fine. You, lo- you lost out. But yeah, you showed up, you got your reward. Right. And the natural consequences around that. I'm thinking also. One of the habits that I, that's important, I mean, this is an important habit for any company, is making sure that data is captured within the CRM. Mm-hmm. And how do we reinforce that habit and also make it uh, easy and not onerous for a rep to be inputting, inputting notes? And so I see... It's a great question. Because the perception of the rep is, I'm only doing this, this is all about management, right? Inputting right. data into the CRM, yeah, that they need that, so it's you know command and control, what's in it for me? So it's a great question. Do you have an answer? Yeah, well, it, it, given that what kind of reward are they going to get back? Right. So, you know, there are a couple of things. I, I think one of the things, there are technologies today that make it easier to do sort of one one input. So one of the things that we've talked to reps about when you're uh, on the phone with a, a prospect to take notes right in the CRM, so you're not you're not doing it twice. So there are some very practical things that we have tried to encourage them to do little by little, and there's a lot of tools that support this, mm-hmm. so that they don't they're not writing it down on a piece of paper. And then having to read to, to transcribe it again into the CRM. So are there things like there are things like that that make a difference. You know, it's interesting. Recently, we moved to oh gosh, we were we were using spreadsheets, and then we were using different dashboards and reports in Salesforce. And we recently moved to using the forecast module in Salesforce, Mm -hmm. which doesn't seem like a big deal. But, you know, when people's habits are, you know, not to input stuff into Salesforce, 
the, the reporting tool, they, they're just not very accurate. Like if you don't have stuff in there, you can't run an accurate forecast, <laughs> no. okay, as you know. And when we really ripped out the spreadsheets and said, we're not doing any more reporting, and we started every single meeting, we were only in the CEO, did, the, the CEO all the way on down. That's what he was looking to report on. I'll tell you, people's habits <laughs> changed quickly. <laughs> and, and I think everybody, Well, that was the reward, right? The reward I didn't, I was not, not I did not want to show up. I think there can be negative, well, I don't know, negative rewards. The positive reward is you come to the meeting, you don't get yelled at by the CEO. Exactly. <laughs> and that there's, so it started as wanting to avoid a negative consequence mm -hmm. and, and wanting to avoid the negative pieces of it. But I think over time, and not a lot of time, the, the individuals in the team saw, God, this is, this is great. I can see at any moment in time where I am relative to other people on my team, whether to, uh, relative to other regions, relative, how's the company doing in general? It became something that Everybody looked at and realized, gosh, it makes a lot of sense. This is great for me to be able to kind of see where I am, where I stack, and how they're reporting it. Oh, and has this gone through order management yet? And mm -hmm, who's mm -hmm. got visibility? And it did, I think the, the adoption, the habit really snowballed as people started to get back some of these positive, these rewards, uh, like are talked about in the book. Um, so what what originally started as wanting to avoid negative consequences very quickly moved to, huh, this isn't so bad. And and the people got something from it that I think then then it does become a habit. Then then things start to move more quickly and it's it's the difficult it's not as difficult to enforce the rules, which is a huge difference for those of us in management that uh, depend on having accurate data and yeah, well, depend I, on that being a good habit. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of an example earlier in my career where I was actually a program manager at the time and, and um, sort of an account manager, if you will, in today's terms. And every Monday, we had a meeting with the CEO of this company where, you know, in essence, we were reporting directly to the CEO, not to our, our supervisors. And yeah, you had to be extremely prepared. I mean, and so you could say, yeah, you're trying to initially try to avoid the negative consequences. But if you were prepared, what happened is the CEO would go to bat for you with your program and with your account, mm. with all the other resources in the company. Mm. So the benefit of being prepared were pretty substantial because we were all, all about six account managers are contending for a pretty limited source of our resource pile, right? And so the better prepared you were, the more likely you were to get the CEO to turn to somebody and say, fix Andy's problem or, you know, help Andy with this mm. as opposed to the other people. So, yeah, it became a very powerful uh, reward. And we sort of, you know, to the point of craving it. We, yeah, we sort of craved it because, uh, you know, we look good in front of the CEO and, and in front of your peers. I, I just, I read this book before, Andy, but you make me want to read it again. Um, and if nothing else, to think about habits that I want to reinforce for myself mm -hmm. and what are the, 
to be more more deliberate, I guess, in thinking about what are the potential rewards and what rewards could I sort of almost fabricate or associate with that habit to help strengthen my resolve to maintain that as a habit. Yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. Well, good. Well, Bridget, as always, it's been great to talk with you. And likewise. And friends, thank you again for joining us as you do every week. And we'll ask again, as we didn't get a chance today, but next week we'll answer some questions that have been submitted. If you have a question, please, uh, about anything having to do with sales, sales management, uh, gosh, you got two great resources here. Send it to me at andy at zerotimeselling.com, and we'll be sure to get it on the air and answer it for you. And uh, until next time. This is Andy Paul with my guest, Bridget Gleason. Have a great uh, Friday and weekend, everybody. That's right. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.